Collaborative efforts can be a great resource, which pretty much sums up the basis for our topic today. It's called Good Grazing Makes Sense. There was a desire from the society, from its board members and others to try to reach out to ranchers and land managers, people who are applying the science that's being certified within the Society for Range Management. Erica Fitzpatrick and Dave Voth join me as we explore the purpose of this program and how it can be a great resource for ranchers and land use managers like you and I and help to expand our knowledge and education on a variety of topics. I feel like one of the biggest hurdles we have, you know, despite regulation and weather, is fighting that the way we've always done things. Good grazing makes sense on today's episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. And we welcome you back here again to another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you with us along for our program this week. Now, how many of you, when you're out and you go into town or maybe it's uh, you're out visiting folks and it's usually this time of the year, what's, what's the two topics that everybody talks about? Well, number one, of course, is always going to be weather. If you're in agriculture, you're always going to talk weather. But then again, how, how's calving going or how'd calving go, going? Well, for us, we're not quite started yet. Yet. And in light of the first topic that always is discussed is how is the weather affecting the calving? Uh, I tell you, I had a conversation earlier this last week with meteorologist Don Day. We were talking about uh, what April was going to be looking like. He had t- asked me how many fog events I had recorded for the month of April. Now, if you're a regular listener or you've heard some of my conversations with meteorologist Don Day, you know that I keep a pretty close record of fog events and know and then mark out 90 days. Now, other people have some other dates or some other time frames. For me, I've always marked out 90 days from a fog event as to being another weather event of some sort. So the month of March, I really didn't have a lot for our neck of the woods, but for the month of April, I'm showing three fog events and that doesn't really coincide real well with our calving on our heifers. We start these heifers about the 10th of April and not really looking forward to all of that, but nevertheless, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth when it comes to moisture because we do need moisture at some point and I know the folks uh, down in the south central part of the country in the plains they're needing some moisture as well and you'll hear from meteorologist Don Day a little bit as he is going to tell us a little bit more what he anticipates the month of April to look like and uh, from all accounts that I can tell it does show that we might see a little bit of a shift in the weather pattern but we'll wait to hear uh, uh, from Don meteorologist Don Day on that. On our program though today we're going to be talking about a program that evolved out of the Society for Range Management. It's called Good Grazing Makes Sense. And as I shared with in the opening, it's uh, basically a lot of collaboration that's went into providing some resources to to folks that want to take advantage of that on a lot of different topics. And so we're going to hear about how it evolved and uh, how it came to be and what its usefulness usefulness is to guys like you and I and, and, and other land use managers and how we can utilize that. So uh, joining us on that program, Erica Fitzpatrick, she was part of the production team and the, and the committee with the Society for Range Management where this evolved from. And also Dave Voth, who's a ranch manager for Nevada Goldmine Ranches. He's out of Elko, Nevada 
and so we'll hear from both of them today about this program called Good Grazing Makes Sense. So be sure to tune in for that. Well, switching horses, so to speak, just a bit, I want to point out something here. Uh, do you have your latest issue of Working Ranch Magazine? It would be the April-May issue. Now, something I want to point out here, in fact, the captain did it as well in his topping out section, but if you go to page 56, Burt Rutherford has an article in there on Western Water Woes, and the subtitle of that is A Win-Win Possible. Great article there, so be sure to check that out. And by the way, if you don't have your subscription to Working Ranch Magazine, it's pretty simple. You can go to workingranchmag.com and get your subscription started here today. Well, speaking of the captain, Tim O'Byrne, he is publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine, so let's check in now with him with this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Today's Tim's Two Cents is more of a question for Don Day about these terribly destructive and tragic, heartbreaking tornadoes that we're witnessing lately. I did a little bit of research about tornado history in the United States, and it's quite unique. And Don, I want you to uh, bring us up to speed on some of the facts of the whole tornado and how that works. And it's very fascinating and scary at the same time. And also kind of give us an update on, you know, where we're going with this, uh, the, the, the change in tornado patterns over the past few years and kind of where we're headed with this. I know it's just a terribly tragic uh, weather event. It's a big one. So let's, uh, let's get into it a little bit. Thanks. All right, Captain, we will do that. In fact, folks, uh, be sure to tune in towards the end of our program here today. We will be talking with meteorologist Ton Day. Not only will he talk about our 10 day, uh, 10 to 14 day weather outlook, but we will address to him these same questions that the captain had on tornadic activity that we've seen. And are we seeing a big change in weather pattern as well that's causing these very destructive tornadoes? Well, our sponsor of this segment today, the American Cemental Association, and they've really brought some fundamental changes to help ranchers move their operations forward with things like pedigree knowledge and actual performance records and now some very advanced genomics all of this to provide you the rancher predictability so that you can make very wise management decisions to bring profitability to you sim genetics is profit through science find out more at simmental.org well stay with us folks when we come back we're going to be talking about good grazing makes sense. You'll find out what it's all about when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You know, big cows come with big feed bills, which is why smart genetic selection can pay off in your cow herd. Did you know Simmental-influenced cows are an average 74 pounds lighter at maturity than Angus-sired counterparts, according to a recent U.S. Meat Animal Research Center study? Now, while Simmental is sized for more efficient gains, 20-year genetic trend lines also show the breed offers reliable calving ease, early growth, and cow longevity. That's a balanced herd built for profit. Sim Genetics, giving you more per head, period. Stand strong. Simmental.
And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we head now into our feature topic here today, and we're exploring a program that was recently uh, released out of the Society for Range Management's annual meeting that was held in Boise, Idaho a couple months ago, and it's called Good Grazing Makes Sense. And here to join us on our program today, Mr. Dave Voth. He's a ranch manager out of Elko, Nevada with the Nevada Goldmine Ranches, and also Erica Fitzpatrick. She's from a little town in Eastern Oregon called Gentera, Oregon, and uh, she and her husband and family work there on a fourth generation ranch there, as well as uh, she's uh, also founder of Mesa Communications. And uh, to both of you, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having us, Justin. Really excited to be here. Good to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, guys, uh, we'll have you explain a little bit where this originated from. And, and folks listening, if you're if you're listening here, uh, this because it's not a video program, I'm going to go a little bit further in depth here as far as the title. As I said, it's called Good Grazing Makes Sense. Now, sense is spelled C-E-N-T dollar sign. And so, well, Dave, I'll start with you first. And then, Erica, you can follow up. But as I had mentioned before, this is a program that is hatched and born out of the the workings and the folks involved with the Society for Range Management. So Dave, we'll start with you first. And so from your perspective as a land manager and a contributor from that aspect, how did this originate? So this came uh, from Erica and, uh, and MJ over at SRM. They brought it to me uh, with this idea of, of financially applicable programs to run on your ranch uh, that that coincide with good grazing. And uh, at the time, I had just taken on position as ranch manager and uh, was getting a crash course in finances. And I thought this would be a great way to to learn all these, these how to put these practices into place and make money at it. Uh, so for me, I just jumped on board uh, of the good work that Erica and, and MJ were doing mostly as a as a way to learn mm-hmm. i just wanted to get on board so i could learn these things and uh it, it's such a great program i got more and more involved as the months went on mm-hmm. eric i want to go to you now because as he said uh something that you all with the society for range management brought forward and and there's of course now it's kind of uh, the good grazing makes sense kind of operates on the side as a part of a program with this we'll get more into that a little bit but f- the Society for Range Management, that entity has been around for a long time. You guys meet basically a consortium of folks that can get together, professional ranchers, uh, educators, uh, academia, that can get together and share resources. So from your standpoint, from the Society for Range Management, what were you saying that said, this is something we need to be doing? Well, I, I had stumbled into the Society for Range Management um, just several years ago, and I was just amazed at the amount of information and the resources and the people that were housed within that organization. And it, I just I got incredibly excited being at their annual meeting and, and starting to dig into what it is that they do. And I think that um, historically, you know, it, it was really uh, there was a heavy involvement from ranchers and land managers and producers. And as time went on, it's it's the membership has really expanded, which is incredible. And there's just a wealth of information and knowledge there. Um, I think there was a desire from the society, from its board members and others to try to reach out to ranchers and land managers, people who are applying the science that's being certified within the Society for Range Management. And so this program kind of grew out of that desire to try to get this really valuable information in front of ranchers and get ranchers involvement in the society again. Mm-hmm. 
So when we when we look at this, as we talked about a little bit ago, the Society for Range Management really has been a collaboration of a lot of different folks within our land use industry. I guess if you want to use a better word, which ranchers are a part of that process. And we, we do know that academia has been a part. They do a lot of their research. They do a lot of that stuff. And then there's the side of a, 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 the ranching side that's that's then out in the real world having to do and manage those kinds of things. So as you put these together and you've come up with this Good Grazing Makes Sense program, what are some of the points or the facets of that that are going to be valuable to those of us ranching? Absolutely. I can speak to that just a bit. We originally wanted to format the program in a way that created um, multiple avenues for people to get involved because we know that everyone has different preferences on how they consume media. And so what we really wanted to do was center it around a monthly newsletter that um, had value topics that were designed with ranchers and land managers in mind. And so Around that monthly newsletter, we create additional content, um, videos on our YouTube channel, and um, the other key piece is a interactive Facebook group. And so all of this, we try to get people connected with others, whether it's other ranchers and, and land managers and, and users who are trying innovative and new things to see and, and have that conversation going, or connecting them into uh, folks who are doing the actual science on this, or even uh, rangeland consultants. And so the idea is to really get that conversation going, which happens mainly on the, the Facebook side of things. But again, we're, we're trying to create as much content from each topic as we can, so that we can uh, get it out to people and hopefully uh, bring them into that community and into the, a membership uh, so that they can continue getting this valuable information going forward and have a say in what topics and things they're interested in as well. Mm-hmm. Dave, I know you said as you took over as a ranch manager, there were things that you were having to deal with that you just maybe weren't as prepared to handle, but this was a resource that you could look at. As you've been a part of the of developing this process, from your side as a ranch manager, land uh, manager, what are you seeing that has has been the value for you? Yeah. So coming into this position, I, I cowboyed most of my life and, and uh, thought I knew everything for sure, you know, had all the answers. And then when I had to put the budgets together, I was in for a rude awakening. So things like uh, pushing back calving for me was a, was a big one. I, I could not pencil it out. I couldn't figure out, you know, I get ecologically how it would be better, but financially I couldn't make it work. And for, uh, for me, I, I like the Facebook forum. I just, I just put that question out there and got, tons of feedback on what it was I was missing. And uh, it's allowed me to start implementing that process. So now I've got I've got dry cows, I can get much farther out and use the, the resources better. And I can do it in a way that's financially beneficial and, and at the worst case a break even, but we're also doing good work on the land. It's just one example of, of how I've used it many times. There's tons of, of good academic folks on there and rangeland consultants that just that answer your question right away. And that usually that's, that would take me quite a bit of Googling and lots of phone calls to, to figure out what I figured out in just a few minutes on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Erica, I touched on it just a little bit ago. And sometimes I feel like, and there's definitely been probably more advancement in this in the last several years, but bridging that gap between academia and land use managers, ranchers included, I'm going to keep saying that a little bit, but, but managers and bridging that gap because from a, 
an academia standpoint, sometimes they're looking at things like how do we, you know, they're kind of charged. A lot of these land grant colleges and different entities, they're kind of charged with being a, a resource to our industry out there. And I feel like many, maybe several years ago, there was more of a disconnect. But I think in such as organizations like the Society for Range Management and now this program that's there here available, the Good Grazing Makes Sense, we're bridging that gap a bit. And I think it's beneficial maybe while we heard from Dave from the standpoint of saying, well, it's helpful for me as a rancher or as a ranch manager, but I think this is helpful probably on the other side for academia folks or or folks that are doing the research side of things to say, here's some topics that we're getting a lot of feedback on. How can we manage our research programs to fit those? Is that what you're seeing as well? That's exactly, we, we certainly hope to see that, you know, by, by creating more of those touch points between um, people who are applying the science and the people who are doing it, you know, we certainly hope that there is that feedback loop that over time uh, strengthens. Because as you said, it does seem like in the last several years through other people's work and other programs, that seems to be the move. So that would certainly be the hope. Mm-hmm. Dave, go ahead. You were going to say something about that as well. It never had occurred to me until you brought it up that this probably goes back the other way. I, I've just been in a selfish mode of how can this help me? But uh, yeah, I'm sure there's there's an asset to the academia side when they know what we're wondering about. Mm-hmm. My guest today, Dave Voth, ranch manager for Nevada Goldmine Ranches out of Elko, Nevada, and also Erica Fitzpatrick. As I mentioned earlier in the introduction, she handles a couple different roles, not only as founder of Mesa Communications, which provides some of the content for the good grazing makes sense, but also her and her husband uh, work on a uh, ranch there in Eastern Oregon as well. My guest today, as we talk about the program, Good Grazing Makes Sense, and as I explained earlier, uh, since is spelled C-E-N-T dollar sign. And we're going to talk more about it. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about how it's applicable to us as ranchers, as land managers, and its uses to us out there when we come back here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Set up the next generation for a productive lifetime with Zinpro Avela 4. Achieve productive success in your cows with 20% increased conception rate and a 16-day tighter calving interval. Calves from cows supplemented with Zinpro hit the ground running with improved immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zinpro Avela 4. Every year you pick your replacement heifers. Some become profitable cows, others disappoint. How can you make more reliable selections? Genetic testing. Commercial cow-calf producers like you are using Inherit Select from Zoetis. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit, as well as easy to use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding, and marketing decisions. Request a call from InheritProgress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started. 
And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Thanks for joining us here on our program today as we're learning a little bit more about a program that was recently unveiled at the uh, 2023 Society for Range Management's annual meeting that was held in Boise, Idaho. And it's called Good Grazing Makes Sense. And sense is spelled C-E-N-T dollar sign. Our guest today, Dave Voth, he's a ranch manager out of Elko, Nevada with Nevada Goldmine Ranches and also Erica Fitzpatrick out of Eastern Oregon. She serves a couple different roles here as our guest today, uh, talking not only from the Society for Range Management's committee that put this all together, but also her and her husband work on a ranch there in Eastern Oregon as well. So Erica, I want to go to you because when we look at this collaborative effort as it's basically a resource site for ranchers or land use managers or folks that are wanting to expand their knowledge or education on certain topics and that and that's kind of where you guys are going to continue to go with this as a collaborative effort with academia consultants and ranchers like like myself and like Dave but Erica do you think that some of the drive by our industry to continue to find new ways and explore ways that we can even be better stewards of our land resources has really created some momentum to create these resource opportunities like good grazing makes sense. Yeah, it certainly seems like the feedback that we're getting and the people that are are getting really active and involved, especially on that um, social front through the Facebook group, it really does seem like it's uh, people who are curious about uh, maybe trying a few new things, um, maybe building on the past um, um you know, stewardship practices that have maybe existed within their their place for generations or, or not. But um, yeah, it really does seem like there's this interest. And uh, even with advancement in technology, whether it's, um, you know, remote sensing, the, we just have a, a, a really large number of tools now at our fingertips. And sometimes that can actually be a little overwhelming of saying, where should we go? What should we try? And uh, that's the hope that, you know, people can either ask other folks who are trying some of these new new methods or that we can kind of turn to the the science and the studies that have been done on um, new methods and new ways of of managing ground or even just approving upon the ones that we we've had for years. Mm -hmm. I I know that really what this is is embracing is some of the newer methods and you talked on it already a little bit the newer ways we can educate ourselves whether it's through being able to go to a website that has the resources available to us or Dave like you had mentioned being able to post a question on a site and and just get some different feedback from some different folks I want to talk about some of this some of the topics that are out there uh, and folks later on we're also going to be talking about how you can get access to this but I want to talk about some of the topics that are out there because you've been doing and accumulating some of these topics for now well over a year and let's hit on some of those topics because I think that will maybe bring some relevance to folks as far as okay we've heard about this I hear you talking about it but then literally what are you talking about so what are a few of the topics that we would see out there right now yeah, we've got our very first edition was actually we tried to figure out where, where do you start? And um, we realized that there's a lot of, of value in understanding the history of your ground, whether whether or not you're the next generation taking over or it's a place that's new to you. We, we really wanted to try to give people some resources and places to go and look into discovering what it is that their land can tell them right now. Um, so that was a really fun one to work on. I learned a ton, even just about the place that we're on now. 
Um, it was a really interesting exercise to go through. So that was kind of kicked it off. And then from there, we just picked the topics that we thought would be uh, most helpful for people in this first year of launching. And so from there, we went into indicators and what uh, things that you can look at to see whether or not your grazing is working for you. Um, things like how to uh, manage your grass like a solar farm, which is also a really interesting concept mm -hmm. I hadn't heard before. From there, we kind of launched into um, a drought uh, series. And Dave hopefully can speak to that more. Uh, he helped lead an a online session on that. And it was really, seemed really compelling. And a lot of, a lot of people engaged with that. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, we talked about take half, leave half, and how sometimes that can be a little controversial within the scientific community, but yeah. um, how a lot of people really do still use it and find use in it. Um, we went into talking about monitoring dormant season grazing and forage testing. From there, we launched into a uh, another session, which we're in the middle of uh, focusing on carbon credits, because that seems to be kind of the hot topic of the day. For sure. Dave, go ahead. You can add to that. You took the lead on on some of the drought conversation that took place. Yeah, the, the drought and the carbon I was heavily involved with. And the reason I keep coming back and helping with those things is because I get all my questions answered at these deals. It's, it, they're always very conversational style and we try and keep it at a pretty low level that everybody can wrap their head around, especially when you're talking about something as complicated as the carbon market. So we, we had about a three hour discussion, uh, panel discussion uh, consisting of people who are in the middle of, of their own carbon contracts, people who uh, could explain how carbon is sequestered and, and the carbon cycle and uh, followed up with some some folks who are buying carbon credits. So it was it was a three hour conversation mm -hmm. that that seemed to just zip by. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it was a great place that anybody who's interested could could go use as a resource to see if that fits for them. And the same with the drought. We uh, we had a panel discussion. Uh, there was some land management folks in it in on it. There was some financial folks. I know Shaley Stewart has been on your show before mm -hmm. attended, and that that centered more around the economics of ranching to me. Or, or as a rancher, that's what I got out of it. You know how to plan for a drought and and lots of lots of good planning techniques, mm -hmm. all all in a very digestible format. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to kind of beat the dead horse here, but I think the collaborative effort in this is really what what strengthens it. Uh, where Dave, like you had mentioned, I mean when you were trying to pencil out whether or not it was worth moving your your cabin back. Uh, that collaborative effort and that being able to bounce things off, that's really kind of the strength of this whole concept. Isn't that right? It's huge to me because I, I tend to focus on what I really enjoy and, and the parts of that, that I like. And there's other people who enjoy parts that I don't like. So uh, so they can geek out on, on their parts as much as I geek out on mine. And, and we get a really good discussion going on. Yeah. Erica, a question that popped up to my head as you were talking as this as this evolved. I know, you know, you both are kind of more in the western part of the country. Is this mainly range state focused or is this adaptable to some other areas like the Midwest or the South Central Plains or even the eastern part of the country? Yeah, that's a great question and a challenge that uh, from the beginning we kind of discussed quite a bit within our uh, production team, just because, you know, it's it's challenging to tackle some of these topics in such a broad way that's applicable to everyone across the country on on rangeland and grazing lands um, across the whole U.S. and so uh, and, and beyond. And so we, we really are cognizant of that. What we're trying to do is 
to address that going forward, whether you kind of create different sections within good grazing makes sense. Or right now we can just focus in our additions on on issues that might be um, being faced in the south versus out here west. And so, yeah, that's that's something here as we go forward that we really want to try to address um, probably better than we're doing now. We're probably a little west uh, centric right now, but we are looking to make it a valuable resource for others. You bet. As you talk about moving forward in this, have you identified some topics that you guys are wanting to explore as you look down the road? Yeah, absolutely. I think this carbon market question and questions that continue to come back to us show that that's really a topic that people are really interested in. And it's kind of a sweet spot of of combining that conservation side um, with the economics. And so I think we'll probably circle back to that in the coming year. Um, we also probably want to start in on an invasive series, kind of focusing in on an invasive species. And again, that's a great place, like you said, to diversify where, you know, because everyone's facing something a little different across the country. And so um, that's going to probably be our big focus for the next year. And we're pretty excited about it. There's just a ton of information within the society on, on both of those. You bet. We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to continue with our guest today, Erica Fitzpatrick, who's uh, one of the content providers and production team from the Society for Range Management. Uh, she also has her uh, own business, Mesa Communications, and her and her husband work on a ranch in Eastern Oregon as well. As she's going to continue with us. Also, Dave Voth, who's joined us as well. He's a ranch manager for Nevada Goldmine Ranches out of Elko, Nevada. We've talked about good grazing makes where it evolved from, what it contains, what it can do for us as ranchers. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you can take and be a part of it and how you can take advantage of this resource opportunity when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy-to-use app that simplifies record-keeping and makes decision-making easier. Keep track of herd inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important herd data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to performancelivestockanalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch. Control comes when you focus on the little things, from daily chores to parasite management, because any little thing could derail progress, but your herd can be covered. Visit GetLessParasites.com for solutions from Zoetis. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Our topic today that we have been discussing is on the program called Good Grazing Makes Sense. As we were hearing from our guest today, Erica Fitzpatrick, who's part of the production team with the Society for Range Management, but she also has her own uh, media company and as well working uh, on a ranch with her husband in Eastern Oregon. And also Dave Foth, who's a ranch manager for Nevada Goldmine Ranches. He's out of Elko, Nevada, as we were talking at the break 
guys, I know the western part of the country has sure seen a lot of moisture, and you, you hate to really talk too bad about moisture because I know there's parts of the country that really could be using some right now. But nevertheless, you guys, on the other hand, kind of ready for maybe spring to get to going and, and dry off just a little bit. I'm ready to see that green grass start popping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Erica, cabin season's been a little bit tricky this year. Yeah, we haven't, uh, you know, with drought in the last couple of years, haven't had to fight the snow, but this year's a little different, but that's... Uh, <laughs> You said we won't we won't complain, especially yeah. for people in other parts of the country. I know you don't want to complain too much by no means. But let's get back to talking about good grazing makes sense. Uh, folks, it's a program that uh, basically offers uh, a lot of collaborative research, a lot of information resources to us as ranchers, as land managers, where different topics that are out there, as we talked about in the last segment, just some of those topics that both Erica and Dave touched on just a little bit. Let's get into, though, how we can take advantage of that how we can utilize that. Erica, it's a membership-based program. So how would one start if they were interested in utilizing this resource that's available? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first step is just to, to sign up for a membership, um, which is uh, $75.50 and, and if you're involved in a, in a partner in Livestock Association, which we're expanding to um, pretty rapidly this year. That membership starts on the website at goodgrazing.org. But then from there, you'll be um, you'll automatically get a membership to the Society for Range Management, which means you can access um, their academic journals and all of the information housed within that organization. And then also you'll gain access to that Facebook group that Dave's been talking about, which is, again, a, a huge focus for us in trying to drive that collaboration. So from there, you'll just be signed up for monthly edition of the newsletters, and you'll also gain access to all of the historic archived information, some of these topics that we just talked about, which will be housed on that website. Mm -hmm. Dave, I want to walk, uh, have you walk through the website with me or some of the, as you've talked about, you found extremely valuable from a standpoint of the, of the knowledge and the, and the information that's out there. Walk us through that website of the things that uh, just kind of stand out to you uh, from a user standpoint. You bet. The biggest thing is the newsletters in terms of, uh, in terms of the content. When, when they come and email, the, there's a link to the videos and that's that's generally where I uh, go straight to. But uh, goodgrazing.org houses all of those all of those things, all the contacts and background behind it. Mm -hmm. So as we look at this, um, you said the membership also includes membership to Society for Range Management. Erica, touch on that real quick and the advantages of that. Well, again, um, you know, this stemmed from the idea that the Society for Range Management houses a lot of information that is really valuable. All we are doing is pulling from that and kind of putting it in a in a, a more digestible format. And so really, if you have an interest in this, you can take a deep dive. You can read as many um, scientific journal articles as you want, and you can um, kind of dig through that or, or even go to their annual meetings, which I find uh, incredibly valuable. We just had one here in Boise, Idaho, and um, it is a really wonderful place to meet other people, whether they be scientists or uh, consultants or other uh, ranchers and land managers. Um, it's a really great place to make those connections. And so with a membership, you kind of get all of that benefit and understand when those things are happening. And there's also local sections of the Society for Range Management that, again, if you kind of go down this rabbit hole, there's a lot of ways to get involved in, and build those connections out. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned it in the last segment a little bit too, just the fact that we are seeing, I feel like we're seeing in our industry, more folks just 
really pursuing their ability to be better at this. And I and I guess I don't want to be too blunt here, but it really is if if you're not interested in really advancing your own operation or trying to be better at what you're doing, this is probably not your probably not the thing to have to worry about. I couldn't agree more. I feel like one of the biggest hurdles we have, you know, despite regulation and weather is fighting that the way we've always done things. I see that as our, our biggest hurdle as an industry and uh, and good grazing makes sense and SRM and and all these other outside tools, podcasts are, are, are so readily available to just bounce ideas around. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to take lightly some of the outside issues that we have to deal with, such as markets and politics and various issues like that. But Erica, I, I really feel like there's sometimes we focus, there's so much focus on that, that we don't take the time to really, where, what are the things that we can control? And that's things like this. That's our ability to learn more, expand our, our information base. And this is really that source for that, that you're providing here with good grazing makes sense. And of course, tied back to society for range management. This is something we can control. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's just what we're working towards. Um, who you described as far as kind of a desire to uh, try new things or to think outside the box a bit. Um, that is definitely our target audience and who we're seeing engage the most with this. And certainly um, we hope to to build that out as much as we possibly can. And honestly, there, it to me, when you start looking at all the resources that are out there, it is almost overwhelming. There's a lot of different ways you can go. So what we're trying to do is pull from all of those and kind of put it all together in one location, in one spot, so that someone can go, you know, straight to good grazing makes sense. And then from there, kind of be led in the, all the different directions um, and hopefully vet that information through folks who are experts and um, really make sure that we're, you know, we have quality content there for people to access. Mm-hmm. You bet. Well, definitely a, a great program and a great method of ways you embracing some of the newer technology and ways that we can educate ourselves as ranchers here in the countryside. And in regards to the value of it and the, and the cost of it, folks, I, I joke with people about how expensive the tuition for the school of hard knocks is well if you can reduce that tuition fee by utilizing resources like this like good grazing makes sense program and taking advantage of those resources on topics that you might be thinking about or other folks have tried and you can use that i think it'd be well worth its value in regards to that so dave erica thanks again for joining us here today on the working ranch radio show Thanks, Justin. Thank you so much for having us. Again, my guest today, Dave Voth, ranch manager out of Elko, Nevada for Nevada Goldmine Ranches, and also Erica Fitzpatrick as her and her husband work on a ranch in Eastern Oregon, but also she was part of the, the original committee in the Society for Range Management that brought this Good Grazing Makes Sense program to fruition and her uh, media company that she also is a founder of uh, working to provide some of the content out there as they continue to not only have a good Good bank of content, but also every day as we were hearing and every year continuing to provide more content out there on subjects that for many of us in ranching, we are finding very, very valuable. If you want to go to their website again, it's goodgrazing.org is where you can go there to find out more information on Good Grazing Makes Sense. Well, stay with us when we come back. Meteorologist Don Day joins us as we take a look at our long-term weather. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this.
Cattle producers, here's a way to put more dollars in your pocket. Put the Amifirm advantage found in all Gain Smart Mineral to work in your cow herd. Amifirm is the industry leader in increasing fiber digestion. In fact, research shows putting Amifirm to work increases forage utilization by 10%, reducing overall forage costs and allowing you to graze more animals per acre. That's a big time return on your investment. To find which Gain Smart Mineral formula is right for your heard, visit Gainsmart.com. At the American Akaushi Association, we're more than prime. The American Akaushi Association was created to help ranchers be more profitable and find opportunities when using Akaushi genetics in their herd. We focus on market opportunities for our members and offer support from conception to consumer. When you choose Akaushi, you have a network right there with you. Experience the difference at akaushi.com. That's A-K-A-U-S-H-I.com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we head now into our weather segment, joining us as he does each and every week is meteorologist Don Day. And Don, before we get into looking at our weather for the next 10 to 14 days out, I want to go back. The Captain Tim O'Byrne earlier in the show had some questions in regards to some of the very devastating tornadoes that we saw down in Mississippi in the southern part of the country. And uh, just kind of want to get a little bit more information and just educate ourselves a bit on that. So from a very fundamental standpoint, uh, really, you know, what's what's some of these facts about tornadoes in terms of how they work? Well, first of all, you need a thunderstorm. Uh, You're going to get a tornado when you have a very strong, organized, well put together thunderstorm that has all the necessary ingredients, strong winds aloft and also a big contrast in air masses. And this is why we're entering the time of year. Uh, where we do see the tornado frequency go up. Now, need to keep in mind, uh, tornadoes can happen any month of the year in the United States. Mm-hmm. This is especially true in the in the Southern Plains, the Gulf Coast region, and parts of the Midwest. And a big reason for that is to get big organized thunderstorms, you need a big contrast in air masses. You need warm, dry air, rather warm, moist air, and colder, drier air kind of coming together. Mm -hmm. And where these collisions set up tends to be when we have these cold fronts coming out of the Rockies in Canada and out of the northern plains. And as they head south and east into the Midwest and the south, they encounter the very moist, warm air that's in the Gulf of Mexico region. And we really tend to see uh, the peak in tornado activity in the spring because that's when we have the biggest contrast. And, you know, this winter, Justin, we've talked about how cold it's been in the northern plains in the Mm -hmm. west and how warm it's been in the southeast. Mm -hmm. So as the spring has approached and as we get into this early spring, we're kind of in a primed environment as these colder air masses come in from the north and west to hit that Gulf Coast region. And what happens is that contrast makes the thunderstorms grow bigger. They grow taller. The taller they get, the more organized they can get. And they tap into that upper level wind energy that can cause these very large, very big 
and these very devastating tornadoes like we saw in Mississippi here over the past week, mm -hmm. climatologically speaking as well, yeah. when you get into mid to late March, into April and May, statistically, this is the highest risk of, of these strong tornadoes in, in parts of the country that are experiencing them right now. Mm -hmm. So the other question that always comes into, and I think it comes into play, we've talked about it a little bit here, is whenever we see very, very devastating weather, well, then we start to hear, especially when you hear some of the national news out there, that uh, then they bring climate change into this conversation and and so the question my my question is is are we seeing any change in tornado patterns over the last several maybe 50 to 75 years or or years that we have documented okay well first of all let's let's talk about the climate change angle <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, if you if you go to the latest report from the UN panel on climate change they make no connection to an increase or decrease in tornadic activity attributed to climate change so if somebody says it's climate change, they, I don't know where they're getting it, okay? Because if you go to the UN panel on climate change, they make no attribution. Um, second, there's actually been a decrease in the amount of tornado activity and also the larger tornadoes. But like anything in weather, I talk about this all the time to people when we talk weather and climate. Weather is not linear. Weather does not go where you always have an upward trend or a downward trend. It's a sine wave. So we do see ebbs and flows where we'll see periods of time over five or six years of increased tornado activity, and then it will decrease. It's never going to be the same every year. But one thing I can tell you about is, is there has been some really good research and studies that indicate that La Nina years, or when you are going out of a La Nina, does tend to bring a higher increase in tornado activity. Now we have officially gone out of La Nina, mm -hmm. but if we go back to some of the tornadoes that happened in December uh, in parts of the Midwest and the South, um, and over the last couple of years, we do tend to see a little bit of an increase, but we do not have a 10, 20 or 30 year trend of increasing tornado activity. And it also should be noted, we have, more population now than we had 10, 20, 30 years ago, especially in areas of the country affected by tornadoes. And this is the same thing that happens along the Gulf Coast states is, is you know, people will say, well, this hurricane caused $30 billion of damage, but in, and we've never seen a hurricane cause that many damage. Well, we could have had a bigger hurricane 30 years ago and they're not nearly as many houses or condominiums that were on the coast of Florida as, as there are now. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to be really careful when you look at trends and whether or not those trends factor in some of these variables. Other than to tell you is this is the time of year and this is the part of the country where these devastating and very large and dangerous uh, tornadoes can occur. You bet. Well, very educational there, and we wish the best or wish the best for recovery for those folks down in Mississippi. Very devastating there. Let's turn now a little bit and let's look at our long-term weather because as we have talked here for the last couple of weeks, we've been kind of on rinse and repeat here for the last couple of weeks, and we still you are still anticipating to see more unsettled weather, but maybe something a little bit more dramatic is coming down. Yeah, it, what I think we're going to see is the focus of the bigger storms now kind of get off the West Coast where they've been focused and go more towards the, the Plain States. This is a double-edged sword. Uh, we are really, really dry and really droughty in parts of the Southern Plains, winter wheat country in particular. 
Uh, and we do kind of need this pattern change to get those areas a chance of getting wet. But also, with calving seasons on yeah. the way, either you know, folks might be starting them, yeah. finishing them. But I will tell you that we are going to see a, a couple of storms. I mean, this weekend we're dealing with a, a small but intense storm system going through South Dakota and surrounding states, bringing those areas some snow. And as we go into this new upcoming week, we're going to see one of these West Coast storms actually kind of circumvent California, just brush it, but come into the Rockies and Northern Plains and may become an intense spring storm. Um, I want to give a heads up to livestock interest this coming week uh, across uh, the Dakotas, portions of Nebraska, parts of Wyoming and Montana could be looking at some heavy snow, very cold temperatures and a lot of wind. And I do think the month of April will bring several of these systems or at least that potential. So the focus less on the West Coast, more into the interior parts of the U.S. Um, and that also means what we talked about at the beginning, Justin, we're going to have more severe weather, uh, more tornado, more severe thunderstorm activity in the Midwest and the South as these storms just continue to come off the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for the folks on the West Coast, they're probably going to appreciate the fact of a little bit of reprieve because they've just continued to be pounded on the West Coast. How, as, as this moves through April, do you think we're going to see a little bit more in those South Central Plains and in those winter wheat areas that are just have been very dry? Yeah, we certainly hope so. The thing is, is this this storm I'm talking about early next week, I don't think is going to be very productive down in the southern plains. But the storms coming afterwards, I do see an opportunity for some rain and some thunderstorm activity possibly getting into those areas. Um, I do think the southern plains, those areas along and south of I-70 are going to be the last to get relief this spring from precipitation. But this change that we're starting to see evolving does give them better chances for the rest of April and into May to to get those storms to maybe track the way they need them to be. All right. Well, Don, I appreciate it. We've covered a lot here today. I appreciate you addressing the captain's questions on tornadoes and uh, the heads up on what we could be seeing here in the next 10 days or so. Sounds good. Again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. And from there, you can also find a link as he kicks out every Monday through Friday morning and some time bonuses on the weekends, a video podcast as well. Again, that website, dayweather.com. Well, stay with us after the break. I'll tell you what's in store for next week's edition of our program. Here's a little bit of a hint. Maybe you as a landowner have wanted to take advantage of some recreational opportunities on your ranch. Find out who our guest is next week as we talk about it when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com.
Living in the country means working in the country, and that calls for a tough tractor. Well, Bobcat has 15 models in its compact tractor lineup from 21 to 58 horsepower. With the help of your local Bobcat dealer, you'll find a perfect match for your property and to-do list. Get a look at all the different models at Bobcat.com, and while you're there, use the Build and Quote tool to design your ideal machine. Get yourself one tough tractor from one tough animal. Bobcat. Visit Bobcat.com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we head down the backstretch here of our program here today, so to speak, in, in ranching terms, we'll say we're walking the horses back to the barn. Now, just a quick side note. Now, if you grew up on a ranch and you rode horses a lot, you know that you never, ever ran the horses back to the barn for several reasons. But one of those included if your cousin from the city came to ride horses and you guys headed back to the barn and that horse always thought that they had to, they had to, they could run back to the barn boy would you have a wreck on your hands so as we head back to the barn walking here (laughs) i'm going to give you an idea what we're talking about on next week's show now for a lot of us in ranching and landowners uh we have uh, agriculture is our main enterprises that we use for income but also there's the recreational side of things more specifically hunting and what if there was a very practical way that you could add additional income to your operations well we're going to be talking with folks from landtrust.com to explore a little bit more about what they're doing to tie in recreational users to landowners and expand your income for those recreational opportunities. And it's a unique way. I, I don't know. I think we'll, we'll know more about it. And I don't know if this is the best analogy of it, but if you think about an Airbnb and you have a, a rental available and you just put it out there on a website to where folks can bid on it and come and rent that for a night or so. It's kind of that context, but we'll find out more about it. So be sure to tune in next week as we find out more about landtrust.com and how it could potentially be a resource for you as a landowner out there in expanding the recreational income to your ranching operation. Well, before we head out as well, I do want to thank our guests joining us today, Dave Voth and Erica Fitzpatrick, to give us a little bit more insight about the Good Grazing Makes Sense program as we talked about this originated and come out of the Society for Range management and I appreciate them coming on to explain a little bit about its applicability to us as ranchers land use managers out there check it out for yourself goodgrazing.org that is the website where you can find out more about that now real quick as well as I talked about earlier in the program the latest issue of working ranch magazine is out it is the April May issue if you do not have your subscription started you can simply get it going by going to workingranchmag.com now speaking of technology and being on your computer. How about you check us out on social media as well, Facebook and Instagram. In fact, uh, the captain, Tim Wilburn, every Friday, he puts the question out there, what's going on across cow country or however he phrases it, different <laughs> different things. That's always interesting to see what everybody's response. So check us out on Facebook and uh, Instagram as well. Real quick, a thank you to our sponsors today, the American Simmental Association, Sim Genetics, Heterosis Works, which is why with Simmental, it's more 
overhead period. Find out more at Simmental.org. Well, if you'd like to get a hold of me about something you heard here on the show, a topic you'd like us to cover or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me. My phone number that you can get a hold of us here in the studio is 307-363-COWS. Again, that is 307-363-COWS. Or my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. We've had some great response, some great episodes here the last several months that has generated some response and folks have let me know. And again, if you do have a topic, that is great for us because then we know uh, that's an avenue we can head down that has some interest in it. And we look forward to doing that for you and bringing you shows that I hope that are very relevant to all of us here in the ranching industry. Well, as we head into the month of April, we wish you the very best. Hope your calving season or calving season coming up will go well for you. And uh, cross your fingers for us as we're getting ready to calve here on the X-Ring. We have about 100 head of heifers to calve, and then the cows will start the 1st of May. Not as worried about the cows the 1st of May, but a little concerned about these storms coming in that Don Day is telling us here for the month of April. Thanks for joining us, and you can do it next week. Same time, same place, or on your favorite podcast provider. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.